unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Nathan, I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. And along with the video viewers on YouTube, I can see that we have a guest lined up for this week's episode. So I'm going to play a fly on the wall and absorb as much information as I can. And I'm going to hand it over to you. Sounds great. So get ready because we've got a fun one coming your way. Our guest today is Kyle Jordan, and he has a website where he breaks down online ad sequences. The website is called Full Funnel Disclosure, but the series of ad sequences he breaks down is called Full Funnel Nudity. We'll get to that soon enough. But first, a little bit about Kyle. His first client five years ago was a technical marketing training company called Data-Driven Marketing. And as their copywriter and marketing strategist, Kyle increased traffic to their website by about 400%, doubled the size of their email list in one year, and helped them come up with six new products. But most important, with his first client, Kyle learned the technical side of online marketing from a copywriter's point of view in a way that few others have. This know-how led to his specialty, which he calls funnel renovations. He's helped multiple clients rehab their funnels and double their sales just by fixing the funnel alone. He's also written for famous professional athletes and influencers, always with the goal of growing the sales of the business they're associated with. Kyle's going to share some tips from in the trenches today about getting funnels to perform better, but only after I share this with you. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, Kyle, welcome. I believe our story starts in Belfont, Pennsylvania at the Center County Correctional Facility. Is that right? Did you fill it in? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Dave, thanks for having me on. Yeah. So sure. before I became a copywriter, this is a little less than five years ago, uh, I had a 10-year career as a parole officer. And I specifically worked with chronic domestic violence offenders. So these were offenders that had assaulted their family or done something aggressive or violent of sex of a violent or sexual nature. So as you can imagine, I was a little burned out after 10 years of doing that. I kind of reached the point where on the way to work, I would get a knot in my stomach, just thinking about, you know, hearing another victim's story or, or having to make another arrest. It just wasn't working for me anymore. My only coping mechanism was really to not eat breakfast so that I, uh, if I did barf on my shoes in the parking lot, at least nobody would know. So around that time, uh, I just sort of got an interest in internet marketing. I thought maybe this is a way out because all I know how to do is investigative work and law enforcement, and I don't want to do that anymore. And I was on an email list, and the marketer who had that email list put out a job announcement for a copywriter. And I thought to myself, hmm, that's interesting. 
And what was particularly interesting about this announcement was that he wasn't asking for a resume. He wasn't looking for writing samples. He basically just said, this is going to be an open tryout. And you pass these challenges, and I'm going to pick the best person at the end of this. So I thought to myself, I've written reports and sentencing recommendations and restitution recommendations that can convince a judge what to do. And if you know anything about convincing judges, it's not necessarily easy. It's not easy for attorneys, and it's especially not easy if you're a lowly parole officer. So I thought, okay, maybe I could do this. So I tried out, and I was very fortunate. The founder of Data Driven U, Jeff Sauer, sort of picked me off the scrap heap. And right after he hired me, he said, all right, I can tell you can write, but I'm going to teach you all about marketing, entrepreneurship, business, and I'm going to turn you into a copywriter. And uh, thanks to him, I started copywriting. If it wasn't for him, I'd probably still be, you know, throwing up on my shoes in the Center County Courthouse parking lot. So it was a real turning point in my life, and I fell in love with copywriting. Oh, that's that's awesome, and oh, quite a motivation to succeed in copywriting, right? Yeah, I was uh, I was not going back. I almost felt like an inmate that got free. I was there was no way I was going back to that life. So understood. All right, so let's. You've got a whole bunch of stuff, and we've got a limited amount of time. I'm I'm really grateful for sharing that you're sharing that story and also what comes ahead. Uh, let's jump right into it. Can you tell us what's the number one mistake that will kill a funnel's conversion rate? Yeah, so I'll give you a couple of examples that, that show this in action. And the rule, sort of the, the counterpart to that, is always give your prospects a smooth landing. So it's all about landing pages. And the example is, you know, I was on Facebook a few weeks back. I was scrolling through and I found this ad for chronic procrastinators. And I am one of those for sure. So the ad spoke right to me. And I was really interested to click through. The copy was great. I hit the landing page and it was just seamless, right? The headline matched what I read in the ad. The story continued and it just pulled me right through the copy all the way to the opt-in. And it was just a great landing page, really smooth landing. Sort of the opposite of that is I saw a great ad the other day, amazing product demonstration, took me from unaware to product aware in 45 seconds, click the ad, and I wind up on the merchant's homepage and there's a slider and there's all sorts of buttons. So that's what I call a bumping landing because as a prospect, you know, where's the product? What do I do now? Where's the thing I, I click to learn about? And you'd be surprised how often that happens. So the rule is really to make it a smooth landing. The big idea in your ad or whatever your, your point of traffic that your point you're driving traffic from needs to be conveyed on that landing page. And it will make a huge difference in conversions because your landing page is really the, the leverage in your funnel. That's great. And I have also seen and fought with people who won't do that for the craziest of reasons. And I've also seen when you change from not doing that to doing that, sales start to occur at a much more rapid pace. You stated another tip this way for funnels. If you're not trying to get the last word in, you're leaving money on the table. That's interesting. Could you explain that one? Yeah, this is a really simple tip. It's just to always have an exit intent opt-in on your landing page. So an exit intent opt-in is just that little pop-up box that sort of gives you one last chance to opt into the email list. It's that, that little bit of FOMO before somebody leaves your page and is gone forever. And if you think about ad traffic, even if you're doing really well, about 97% of it's going to bounce from your page. So having that exit intent opt-in there can really save the sale because a lot of that traffic is people who are interested in your product but maybe they just don't have time. They think they don't have time to opt in right now. And like a good salesman, you're going to get the last word in. You're going to plant that little seed of FOMO. Like, are you sure you want to leave without getting this lead magnet? Are you sure you want to leave without getting this offer? 
or just present it just a little different way, grab their attention. And if they opt in, you can save about one to 4% of the people that would have left your page otherwise. And from right there, you can put them into your welcome sequence and you got a great chance to convert that customer. So always get the last word in, always have an exit intent opt-in on your landing pages. Okay. That's really good. I think, you know, people probably don't know your first tip. A lot of people know your second one. Your third one seems to be, you're almost speaking to the to the blind and the ignorant about your advice for e-commerce brands for the most part. In other words, anyone who has an e-commerce business ought to listen up real closely to this one. So could you go ahead? Yeah. So after I moved on from working with Data Driven You, I had this sort of burning desire to sell tangible products, to get away from course marketing and just put a tangible product in somebody's hands, you know, really inspired by Joe Sugarman um, and that type of ad writing. So I started writing for e-commerce companies and I was mostly focused on email, but I noticed um, that we were putting all this attention and all this effort into email and we were creating big ideas behind the products. And then you would go to the product page and there would just be features. There wouldn't be anything that really drove home the big selling idea or the emotional message behind the product. And if you, if you go to like a big box brand stores website, you'll probably see this where it says, Hey, this is a chair. It's got four legs, a seat, it's made of wood, but the customer expects that. So where you can make a big difference is by punching up that product page copy. If you think about it, that's your best traffic. They're already on the product page. They're that close to buying. Um, so I started working with my e-commerce clients to punch up their product page copy. And in several experiments, we were seeing upwards of a 20% improvement in conversions just by adding a little story-driven copy or putting the customer in the product, you know, future pacing the benefits, just doing the basic principles of copywriting. Yeah. When we were talking about this before, you mentioned Jay Peterman as like the ultimate example. Of course, it's kind of hard for anyone to match what he did, but it's, it's a good role model, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's one of the cool things about copywriting, right? I always thought that was a Seinfeld character until I started e-commerce copywriting. And then that's sort of the holy, holy grail of a story-driven copy for product pages. But you, know, you don't have to be that great with it to see an increase in conversion rate. And I can, I can share a snippet of copy from the product we focused on where we saw almost an immediate 20% conversion rate improvement when we sort of drafted the, e, drafted the product copy a little differently. Yeah, do you want to? Yeah, I can go ahead and share it for you now. So this is for a company that is in the sort of sporting goods, apparel space. They particularly market to hockey players. And before we changed the copy, this was for a zip-up hoodie. And it kind of just said, you know, this is a light, breathable hoodie. It's got a zipper. It's made here. This is the size of it. So we changed it to speak to the customer and sort of change what the product is all about. And here's where the copy is changed to. Whether you're headed to the rink for an early morning warm-up, or you're on the road for a primetime rivalry, there's something different about those days when you're in the zone. It's a laid back intensity, a calm excitement, a humble confidence. No one piece of gear will help you capture this energy better than the blade took hoodie. Light and breathable with a tight professional look. The fleece interior will help you stay comfortable and relaxed while you loosen up in the training room or stretch out with your teammates. The flexible athletic fit is ideal for fall dryland training or pregame walkthroughs. And the flatlock stitching makes it tough enough to wear on the ice for coaching, or pick up hockey on the outdoor rink. So right. the, the, with hockey players, really what we're doing there is the pregame routine is a really big deal. Being in the zone, you know, feeling good when you get to the rink is 
one of the things that really goes through your mind, and it's something every hockey person strives for. They all, they all have their sort of pregame rituals. So we changed the product from just being a hoodie to something that makes their game day better so they can perform on the ice better. Yeah, that's that's awesome. It's a it's a great example. And it's not Jay Peterman copy, but oh, I don't know. That that kind of poetic, wandering, diffuse Jay Peterman approach probably hockey players are kind of down to earth people, right? They're real. They're they're about what it feels like and what they feel like and being in the zone and you know, awareness and situational awareness and all those things, right? Yeah, I mean, I tried the Jay Peterman style too, and that just didn't feel authentic to the customer. So, you know, it's just another way you can present your product page copy with some depth without having to do that story-driven style. I mean, if you can write like the Peterman product copy, great. I mean, they've sold millions of dollars of products just on their copy alone, but that's not always for every product and it's not for every writer too. Fair enough. Okay, so you have this you call it a stupid, simple way to increase your average order value by as much as 30%. Uh, What's that? Yeah, this is a lesson I kind of had to learn the hard way. Now, as marketers, we know that order bumps and upsells work. They increase your sales, they increase your average order value. Order bump being, you know, a simple item you add in the cart that's usually of equal or lesser value to the product somebody's purchasing. An upsell being something you add after the sale that's usually of equal or more value than the item somebody's purchasing. So these work and they work really well, but surprisingly what works best to order bump or upsell, especially with upsells, is just more of what the person is already buying. And this is kind of counterintuitive. I mean, I've spent loads of time trying to advise my customers on or my clients on what to order bump and upsell. And I spent probably, I don't know, at least nine months picking the wrong thing. For example, we had one product that was a it was a shirt and we said, all right, these, these shorts are paired perfectly. Uh, they're going to work. We're going to upsell these. And when we put that upsell in place, nobody took it. When we said, hey, how about you just buy another of the same shirt you already bought? That started working and their average order value went way up. So the rule here is you always have more to offer than you think because people really just want to buy more of what they already like, right? You don't have to make it harder than it is. Just sell people more of what they already like. Hey, let me ask you something. How would you like a complete copywriting course packed into a $10 Kindle book? Yeah? Then let me invite you to try Breakthrough Copywriting. It's only $10 and it's available now on Amazon as a Kindle. Breakthrough Copywriting was originally a $5,000 live seminar I held in Las Vegas. People flew in from all over the world to attend Breakthrough Copywriting. This Kindle book by the same name is a complete version of my four presentations at the seminar. If you would like to dig into copywriting basics or refresh the knowledge you already have, then you'll really like Breakthrough Copywriting. A-listers like John Carlton, Joe Sugarman, and Bob Bly give this book an A+, and you can read the reviews right on the Amazon site. This episode of the Copywriters Podcast is sponsored by Breakthrough Copywriting. Check this book out at Amazon.com today. And now, back to the Copywriters Podcast program, already in progress. Okay, yeah, I mean, that, that that's a really good experiment. I mean, I've heard more complicated versions of that, but I'm not sure it needs to be any more complicated than that. And obviously, you've proven that that works really good. I love this one. Why you should disgust everyone who passes through your funnel. I mean, that sounds like fun, at least for you, maybe not 
the person <laughs> reading it. But what do you mean? Yeah, I, I don't mean like sending them a picture of your Uncle Larry in his tidy used to be whiteies. Uh, it's not that kind of disgust. We're talking about disgust more as an emotion. And I can sort of think back to my days as a parole officer. Disgust is one of the most powerful emotions somebody can have when we're working with like chronic drug offenders. Um, people who have really had problems were watching their life fall apart. They often didn't want to change. But if you could connect them with somebody who's been where they were, or you could sort of allow them to really see what was going on, they'd reach a point where they'd say, you know what, I'm disgusted with myself. And now I, I actually do want to go to rehab. I don't need to be court ordered to go to rehab. I'll go ahead and I'm ready to make a change. Now, obviously, our prospects don't have the same type of intensity in their problems most of the time. But if you ever thought about somebody saying, oh, I'm fed up with something, or I'm disgusted by this, or I'm frustrated, or I've just had enough, that's the moment they're ready to make a change. And the change we want when we're selling, right, is for the prospect to bring our product into their life. And your email welcome sequence is a great place to discuss your prospect. So I call this giving them a disgustingly good welcome. And there's a number of ways you can do that. You can do that through a founder's story, founder's creation stories. Usually founders create a product with a lot of intention. They were disgusted with what they were going through, or they didn't like the outcomes they were getting, or they just didn't really like what existed. So they created something new. And by sharing that story, you can bond with your prospects over their disgust because they're probably going through those same stages of disgust that your founder was when they created the product. And you can also turn the founder into your prospect's hero when you do that. So it's a really great way to bond with your prospect. Another way you can do that through case studies, testimonials, you can show that moment where somebody sort of just said, I've had enough and dramatize it and show what happened afterwards. So that's another way you can share disgust. Another really effective way to do it is news stories. Uh, if there's a news story in your industry that sort of sort of exposes the seedy underbelly of what's going on in that industry, but your brand or your product does things differently, that's a great way to rally your prospect around what you're doing. So the more you can discuss them, um, the more you can get them to say, hey, I'm ready to make a change. I'm not happy with the status quo either. I want this product in my life. I want a better tomorrow. That's awesome. Yeah. I've, I've also... I've studied the work of as uh, a professor Jonathan Haidt, Jonathan Haidt, a uh, professor at NYU, one of the most brilliant social psychologists on the planet, and he says that very interestingly, one emotion that conservatives have much more than liberals is disgust, which may or may not be true, but it also seems like whether you're politically liberal or politically conservative you tend to be in a more conservative frame of mind when, you know, when you've just had it. It's like, you know, the old joke about the conservative being the liberal who was mugged last night. And right. And, 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 and so it's, it's the same thing without you being mugged. I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I, I I'm just, just sort of wondering out loud about your idea. One more thing you've come up with a unique hack, for increasing email open rates and engagement that, frankly, I've never heard of before. Could you tell us about that? Yeah. So if you have a really good funnel, you're going to have a lot of warm prospects flowing onto your email list, and they're going to go through your disgustingly good welcome sequence. And depending on how good that sequence performs, it might convert 5% of those people who come through, depending on your price point and things like that. And it might convert up to 20% of them um, if you're doing a really good job disgusting your prospects. But that still leaves like 90 
to 80% of people who haven't bought from you, right? And tying back to something John Williamson said on your podcast, you want to get your product to the top of their shopping list, right? So your welcome sequence might've taken that product from a 20 to like a four on their shopping list, but you're just not at a one or two yet. So now you're going to play the long game through email marketing. We know that as marketers, that's a great way to reach our prospects and convert them. But you'll find that after people go through your welcome sequence and you're sending them daily broadcasts or campaigns or whatever you want to call them, uh, your list kind of stratifies. And you're going to have three types of subscribers on your list. You're going to have engaged subscribers. Those are like your super fans. They open every email you send them. Um, They click a couple times a month. They're really interested in what you're doing. They might even whitelist your emails. Most people don't, but they might. Then you're going to have semi-engaged subscribers. And these people, you know, they're kind of clued into what you're doing. They might be huge fans who just use email differently. So they're not in email all the time, but they're going to open, you know, a couple emails every month or so. They might click once every two months, but they're not as engaged with what you're doing. Then you're going to have disengaged. And within disengaged, you've got kind of two types of people. You've got people who've just sort of checked out. They're not really into what you're doing. You're probably not going to reach them. That's okay. But you've got other people on the disengaged list who just are not receiving your emails. Maybe they're going to spam. Maybe they're stuck in the promotions tab. Whatever it is, they might be a great prospect, but they're just not seeing your email anymore. And you'll have those types of people in the semi-engaged category as well. So how you play the email game is you set up three test accounts. So these can be, you know, just look at setting up three free Gmail accounts. And within those test accounts, you're going to mimic your subscriber's behavior. So one test account, you're going to behave like an engaged subscriber. When you send to your list, you're going to you're going to open all those emails. You might click here and there, but you're going to behave like somebody's really clued into what you're doing. In your semi-engaged test account, you're going to behave like a semi-engaged subscriber. You're going to open here or there. You might click once every couple months, however you define semi-engaged for your list. And then in disengaged, in your disengaged test account, you're just going to let everything go. You're not going to touch a thing and you're just going to see where it lands. And the reason to do that is you get kind of real-time feedback on how your emails perform. Instead of just sort of looking at metrics in your email software, you can see how your emails perform. For example, if you're sending an email and you see in your semi-engaged or your engaged account that it's going to spam, then you know your reach with that email is going to be really low. And that could be a critical problem if that's a big promotion. I just had a client call me two or three weeks ago that was launching a new summer product and they they sent their open cart email and just crickets. Nothing happened, right? They didn't know what was wrong. They were panicked. They called me up. I went into my test account for that client and that open cart email went to spam in the engaged test account. So I could tell them right away, okay, your email just didn't land. You didn't reach anybody. That's why your metrics look horrible. One of the things they could have done to prevent that was to send a test and see where it landed. And then that gives you the opportunity to fix any messaging in there and make sure that email is going to perform well before you send it out and you know waste a whole bunch of time on an email that isn't going to perform well because it's not going to reach your prospects. On the other hand, if you're sending emails and they're going to your disengaged test account and they're landing in that primary tab, you can bet they're going to land really well and you're going to reach a lot of your prospects. And so the game is then to test your emails and watch what's happening, behave like your prospects and try and move as many of those subscribers as you can up the buckets. So from disengaged to semi-engaged, from semi-engaged to engaged. 
And when you monitor that behavior real time, when you do actual testing and you mimic those behaviors, you're going to learn a ton. And you'll even find snippets of copy you can use that will help your email deliverability. You can learn a lot by having those test accounts and seeing how subscribers behave real time. Yeah, that's a really good system. I've never heard anyone else doing that. Nathan, you have reappeared. What's going on? Two things before we're out of here. Number one, I love that idea. I do the same thing. I use Gmail as my test emails because Gmail is usually the strictest when it comes to sorting emails without my consent. And so uh, that usually gives me a good gauge. I love the fact I've never heard any other copywriter talk about that, but that's amazing. And then the other thing I was going to, I wanted to jump in earlier about the disgusting email sequence or whatever. I really like the fact that you send out emails or, or sequences that call out the things, the skepticism, the problems, the objections that people might have with whatever industry that you're writing for. A lot of times copywriters don't want to address those things because they don't want to bring them up and remind all of the reasons you shouldn't trust my offer. But the way that you the way that you brought it up and then the way that you say, hey, I get why you guys don't trust this industry or you guys might have this objection. Here's how we're different is a brilliant way to overcome that objection before they even have the opportunity to raise it. So the whole interview was awesome, but those were the two key points that I really dug. Yeah, it's one of those things, yep. you know, that it takes a while to to see in practice, at least it did for me, uh, but to really to understand it and David, this is something you helped me learn is that, you know, people will do more to avoid pain than they will to seek pleasure, right? So you have to call out that pain and you have to say the quiet part out loud. And if you're not, you're not really resonating and you might be missing a chance to bond with your customer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the things where being a copywriter takes, takes a lot of guts because in polite society, you would get smacked down for for bringing that kind of stuff up, at, at least as a kid. Well, maybe not you, but a lot of people. But also, there's sort of an us versus them, you know? I mean, it's, it's subtle, but it's like us, like we're not that industry that's, you know, doing all those disgusting things. We're disgusted by it too. So it's us, are the good guys, our company and the customers, and the rest of the guys were the bad guys. And that's a really good schism to create, right? Yeah. And that's that's a perfect example. I think you you had Daniel Torsel on as well. And he loves those uh, cage fighting yeah. style emails. And you can do that with your product. And you don't have to call out the competitor. You can just sort of say, this is what we do. And this is what the rest of the industry does. And this what is what makes us different. And that will really bond customers to you. Because nobody wants to be normal or average, you know, that creates that identity you were kind of talking about in politics earlier, David, where people get disgusted with how the system works or how the man's against them. And they can really see their identity in your brand and your product. Yeah, that's very cool. All right. So I think we still got a minute or two. Tell us about full funnel disclosure and the secret page that's not so secret inside full funnel nudity. Yeah. So I mentioned in my spare time, this is, sounds like a ridiculous hobby, but since I don't have any hobbies and I like to check out other funnels, uh, and it's a great way to learn. You know, we're copywriters. You once said, I think we call us copywriters because we copy what works, right? So, mm -hmm. what I do is I go out and if I see an ad that I really like, like the ads I was talking about earlier, I will go and I will click the ad and I will go into their landing page and their email sequences 
And I document it all. And then I put it in a blog post with sort of notes on what's going on. And I, I show what the emails say and the landing pages so we can all learn from it. And I started doing this just because I was fascinated by it. And then I turned it into a public blog post very recently called Full Funnel Nudity, where it's sort of like a ready-made swipe file with crib notes. So the idea is hopefully I've done your homework for you and you can learn from the experiences I'm having and what I'm seeing out there. And it's just a great way to sort of pick up techniques quickly that you can use in your own funnel optimization. It's how I've learned a lot of the things I've learned, like always offer people more of what they already want. How I learned that was I saw the best funnels were doing that. You know, if somebody was buying a toothbrush, they were offering them another toothbrush instead of trying to be super creative and saying, well, why don't you get toothpaste instead? Now, people want more of what they already like. So I learned that just from evaluating the best funnels out there. So full funnel nudity, I go out, I look for the best ads, the longest running ads, or who's doing something really interesting. And then I break it down and I share it and I show exactly what's going on in their funnel. That's very cool. So if someone wants that, they go to fullfunneldisclosure.com, they click on the blog button or tab, and that'll take you to full funnel nudity. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's how to get there. And then you can even opt into my email list if you so choose, and I will send you the most up-to-date versions of Full Funnel Nudity. So it'll come right to your inbox and uh, you can see it that way too. Yeah. And if, if someone wants to reach you personally, maybe to review their funnel or to write some copy, do you have an email address that, that we can give them? Yeah. Kyle at Full Funnel Disclosure. So full as an F-U-L-L and then Funnel Disclosure. Okay. And we'll put that in the show notes too. Thank you for that. Kyle, thank you so much for coming on, man. This was a wealth of information in a tiny interview, and uh, I'm surprised you guys were able to pack so much into it. David, thank you for hooking this interview up. And for you, the listener, if you enjoyed this and you want to get more episodes just like this one, head on over to copywriterspodcast.com. And until next time, we will catch you later. Thanks, Kyle. And yeah, we'll see you later. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.